Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. That's right, Strick and Austin back with you here. Wrapping uh, up a Monday show almost, but before we do, we go to the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, bring in our recruiting insider, Mr. Brian Munson of Husker Online. Brian, how's your weekend, my man? It was good until I heard that segment there about Sip talking about a retractable roof. Let me tell you something. You don't ever want to put a guy from Columbus in charge of that. That's uh, That just has trouble spelled all over it right there. I've been told we already have an LNK dome around the city anyways, but I don't know why that would you know necessarily need one over Memorial Stadium. Like, like, There's no way that's involved in the upgrades that may or may not be coming, right? Oh, I mean, there's always been speculation. I, I, I know from a guy who was friends with the daughter of the construction firm or whatever that they that an estimate's been given before that it's been worked up. But I, I, I really feel like you know you're you're kind of what's what's important. What's what are like what are like the must-haves and what are the nice-to-haves? That's where you're kind of at right now. And and I, I really feel like. Nebraska's facility puts them on a, uh, you know, puts them at the top, right at the top of, of what else is going on nationally. But they, they have some real considerable work that needs to happen inside Memorial Stadium. I mean, to the point where, if somebody were to say level it and start over again, you know, I think obviously you get a lot of pushback. But there's probably some some sense that can be made from an engineering perspective. It's just, what else are you going to do until you can get it constructed? You know, McLean down in Waco. I don't even know how long McLean took for them to move from, you know, south of Waco where Baylor's at to, to their new stadium that's on campus, but it took years. It literally took years for them to finish that thing up and, and open. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the retractable roof would be certainly nice. I think people would really get behind that one, but I just feel like there's so many other things that they need to put their attention to. Let's not forget Northwestern is building theirs as well, and that's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars and be you know an all-in-one kind of entertainment thing. So I'm curious to see what they do, and I don't want to get to you know philosophical you know ship of Theseus of Memorial Stadium and whatnot, but I'm with you, Brian. I mean, as great as Memorial Stadium is, it, it needs to be fixed. It, it, plain and simple, yep. there's stuff that you know I'm sure worked even 10 years ago that's out of date to, 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 to some degree now. And if you're going to have the new indoor facility, the house, everything for athletics right next door, it's great that that's there for the athletes. But at some point, you have to take into consideration that not just student athletes have changed, but fans, their wants and their desires and how they want to watch football game has changed, too. No, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that I think, you know, there's there's me. There's the guy that's in his upper 40s right now that thinks about how comfortable it is to just sit on his couch and go ahead and observe the whole thing from from wherever it is that he's sitting or, you know, that I, I actually really appreciate just going and doing the pregame thing and then heading into some establishment downtown when I'm in Lincoln and just hanging out and doing the thing there. It's, it's, it's not the same as being in the stadium, particularly, you know, when you're knocking off a, an incredible team and enjoying that victory. But I, I, I really do feel like there's, there's an experience there within the stadium that that's been lacking for some time uh, whether you want to mention the men's troughs or you want to talk about other things that are kind of around, it doesn't matter. It, there, there seems there, there's a there's a lot of things that need to be more in line with what they're building currently 
if they're not in a position to just all and out replace, they've, they've got some level of uh, basically upgrades that they need to do. And Brian, I'm not going to lie to you. I've just gotten soft sitting in the press box as long as I have. Like, that's just where I'm most comfortable at this point is not in the stands. And I, I was lucky enough to go to a couple games, you know, without being on, you know, work duty um, a, a couple years ago. But plain and simple, I'm soft. I don't want to go through the, you know, getting downtown, the waiting in line, the, the no seat backs, anything like that. So I'm just soft. And that's even having had a lot of great experiences in Memorial Stadium growing up, going to awesome games, having the time of my life in Memorial oh, Stadium. Yeah. But I've changed and I know I'm not alone in that. No, I, I, the last couple of games I have been to Memorial Stadium, um, I can definitely think of the one. It was the Friday out. It was the Iowa game with the ice storm. Mm. That was it was bone chilling temperature, obviously. Um, and I think that there, the other one that was pretty cold at two. That I mean, I, and, and like again, I mean, my blood is thinned out. I've been in, I've been a Texan now for twenty four years. What what I consider to be cold isn't exactly Nebraska cold, <laughs> and. And, and so I'll be the first one to admit that, but I think everybody was in pain that was with me that day uh, with the ice storm in Iowa. But I can't remember the other game I was trying to reference right now, but it was miserable. Very, very, very cold. And I think you could take that environmental condition out. I think that you could put yourself and your team in a better position to be competitive and take those environmental factors out. I, I, some, I kind of appreciate, you know, the fact that, that Nebraska does have that situation. I think it's something that you can impress upon recruits to where, yeah, you could go pick where you want to go play for the next four or five years because that's on you. I mean, but when you get drafted, you may go to Buffalo, you may go to Green Bay, you may go to Chicago, and those are open-air you know, facilities that you'll have to go ahead and play in on Sunday, and you don't have a choice. So you can you can go ahead and, and, and start figuring it out then, you know, what it's like to play up there, or you can get, you know, potentially a dose of it here a couple times a year where it's going to feel like that. And, and that's the way kind of stuff goes. But I mean, I just, look, it's, it's one of the things I think that, that Nebraska needs to do better with the overall experience before they start talking about a dome. I think there's other things that need to be addressed, need to be shored up, put something in there to where you're trying to keep things, you know, moving marching towards that solution if that's something that you guys if they could ever consider and uh keep that there to where you don't put it in 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 a detriment you know to where you're you're taking it out of scope eventually but for now get other things fixed up that's 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 huge it's 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 huge to the experience for the for the uh if, if trev is what he's in his mindset of what he thought about with the spring game if he's still thinking that for the fan go ahead and think about that as a fan attending a game on saturday Hey, Brian, uh, we, we just left a discussion uh, just a second ago, and we, we were talking about players and transfers and both in the men's and the, and, and the uh, uh, both football and basketball with how our trend usually is they do not go to an equal or better outside of a few examples like your housemans and, and you know, just other instances like that, right? Um, yeah. What's your thoughts with regards to transfers? Why do they uh, – are, are we doing a not a good job? Uh, do we need to do a better job? Are we, is it only that we're seeking a certain type of player that, you know, a lot of other co- universities and conferences, when they transfer, they go to better schools or, or higher schools? Is that a problem that we have that we need to address, or do we just need to allow it to play out in, in the rural dynasty? Wow. 
that's such a great question. I mean, I planned on mentioning something about um, Richard Torres and mm-hmm. my three and out section on Wednesday with him landing an incarnate word. I mean, incarnate word on the surface doesn't sound like a great landing spot. He gets closer to home. They have had relative success to their level of competition. It's not D1. It's not Big Ten. It's not any of that. It's just, you know, it kind of is what it is. And, and Torres's limitations, you know, basically really kind of start out to me anyway, is that Nebraska had a very, very good quarterback room when they got into the year. And I'm totally, I mean, you're catching me pre-research here. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of skip around here and, and, and do some, uh, basically play the pronoun game with you a little bit, right? Yeah. So I'm going to be nonspecific with some things. But the year that he was being recruited, they had some freedoms. They had some luxuries. They had a they had a good quarterback room. And they had some dudes behind, you know, Martinez. And, and they could do some things to where they could go out there and, and they could maybe take a risk. Maybe they could take a guy that didn't look like the other players that were in the room. Um, and that's kind of where the whole thought was around Torres. I mean, Torres kind of popped up that was like that. And, and unfortunately, I think, you know, he's a guy that he can throw the ball 50, 60 yards easy. Saw him warm up in, Sa- in San Antonio uh, that night uh, when I watched him play. An incredible arm. Arm talent through the roof. Just not a mobile guy. And uh, despite him being a very, bas- very good basketball player, not a mobile guy. Um, guys like Thompson, though, I think you're, you know, I think you're relatively cut, cut short because the solution has, you know, a very limited amount of, of time to run. You've got one, you're getting one season, you're getting a guy in, you know, you get the summer, you get the fall and the guy is out, but he's in, he's got, in, got an incredible list of tools and weapons that he can kind of bring in there. You just got to get him in and get him figured, you know, figured into the system and integrate it in quickly. Um, but, you know, for the other guys that have kind of left out, they just there's not been a great production guy with a ton of eligibility left to kind of go along with it until you get to Hausman. I think I think Hausman, you know, for as as we watched last season go on, um, his stock just continued to increase week over week. He he would make a small error one week. You wouldn't see him make that that same mistake twice. And he was a guy that was consistently improving. Um, so when, when I think about that and still, like I said, you know, last week with you guys, in terms of like the, the transfers, I still put Hausman at the top, despite the production that Casey Thompson had, you know, with, with, with other players around him and in the offense, I just felt like the trajectory that was there for Hausman was really going to, is really going to be tough for, you know, people to kind of keep up with. He can get there and he's going to obviously another great situation where he'll get featured in that defense. So I think I think you have guys that haven't had a lot of success, haven't had tremendous development, and don't have a lot of production value to kind of go along with it. And then you get a guy that does, like Casey Thompson, and you have limited eligibility. I think each each one of these things is kind of ICB, but I think one guy like Torres is way easier to kind of explain than every one of those other guys, like, you know, Lamonte Brown, all those other guys, you guys kind of got, got to kind of break down. I mean, we haven't seen yet. I don't think AJ Allen has landed anywhere quite yet. Right. Now that we've heard now. So I, I think, I think a guy like AJ has a lot of potential Although yeah. statistically last year, I mean, just a couple hundred yards rushing. Um, but again, great trajectory, not same as Hausman, 
but great trajectory on him too. He'll 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 land someplace and it'll be it'll be a good situation, you know, possible ACC SEC type of scenario or or Big 12 type of scenario. So uh, but that could be the other big guy to kind of have left to go along with Hausman. But lots of lots of talent, lots of potential, and a lot of eligibility. Brian, I know if we do this individually, we can probably find a reason. But kind of generally speaking to that point, I'm looking at the wide receiver room where Nebraska's had some questions. They've benefited from guys transferring in the form of Samori Ture um, yep. and, and Trey Palmer the last year. But I think about the high school recruits that Nebraska has brought in, especially from the state of Florida, never really panned out. And you haven't heard about a lot of those guys, even the, the California, you know, Calabrasca class, didn't hear a lot about those guys. Is there something Nebraska is doing wrong or not doing right with the wide receiver position in development? Or it does it come to recruiting? Because to me, if other programs are looking at these guys out of high school, but not looking at them again, out of you know out of college when they haven't played for a year or two, that tells me Nebraska might just be swinging and missing in recruiting, not fully development. Well, I I do feel like there was probably something that was off, you know, when it came to the evaluation that was there uh, while Scott Frost was the head coach, and you went through multiple wide receiver coaches. Those, right. I mean, how many how many were there? Three three wide receiver coaches, Walters, Lubick, and Joseph. That, yeah, that, yeah. So I mean, you had you had a different a different set of eyes basically on the guys that were trying to recruit, you know, basically every other year that, that Scott Frost was there. So um, I, I felt like, I, I feel like um, that can set up and really create some inc- incredible inconsistencies, even with, you know, guys inheriting talent. Then, and you get to that point of they're not my guy, you know, that you got that, you've got that, that mindset that you didn't recruit that guy. You're not connected to that guy. You're, you're connected to other guys that are on your board. Do you want to bring in other guys and, and kind of get the other players through and, and processed or whatever, whatever it is you want to kind of say, you want to get onto your guys and, and feeling better about your room. Um, and Nebraska did it three times in five years. Uh, that was, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to kind of have to talk about because I think really those guys got to be like in the year three, when you start feeling really good about what's kind of going on, you, you saw some really good talent, you know, come in bets and Palmer and, and, and you got some guys that could come in and, and play right away and, and do some big things. But I think ultimately to your point, there were a lot of guys that, you know, well, probably were even uh, uh, ranked fairly significantly uh, and, and just never really developed and never really became that guy. But I think that those are the guys that really got lost within the cracks of the transfer, the the, uh, the change in the, the position coach, and uh, sometimes in the offensive coordinator as well, because it just seemed like that guy just doesn't figure into this situation. Um, I know like last year, like when you start talking about how the personnel is supposed to work out, then all of a sudden we're talking about Omar Manning as a, as a slot, as a six foot four, 230 pound slot. Like what? Like, I, I, it just doesn't seem to kind of go in, go hand in hand with things that kind of feel about, you know, how that, how that guy is supposed to look, you know, shape wise, height wise, speed wise. So I just, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the changes, but they were certainly off on a lot, on a number of their evaluations and it just got completely and totally utterly exposed uh, even worse as things kind of went on and the rest of the guys uh, got kind of passed over because they weren't the right coaches. Uh, they weren't the coaches guys. 
Talking with Brian Munson of Husker Online here. And Brian, one bit of recent news I want to ask you about before we let you go. Um, I, I was reading up on what you wrote about Keelan Smith, the latest commit for yeah. Nebraska football. Fascinating recruiting story. Seems like he, he's a, an interesting player to watch. But which to you is more important, that Nebraska got Keelan Smith, the son of a Nebraska legacy, or that Nebraska got Keelan Smith out of Kansas City? Ooh, boy, that's a tough question. Um I'm going to go with the with the first. I'm going to go with that they got the Husker legacy. Here's here's why I say that. I think the previous staff could have gotten lost, and they could have overthunk this one. They could have overthunk it based on where they're at with the class currently. Adding a sixth guy, you know, this early in the process before you get into your your official visits, is it really what you want to do? Do you have a definitive position for a guy like that? I really feel like the previous staff could have overthought bringing Smith in at this point right now in the 2024 class. And that would have cost him. It would have cost him Smith's uh, commitment. And, and I think it just ultimately, it would have been another bad look. I mean, you have, you already have Burrow kind of hanging over your head at that point, you know, with, with Scott Frost. And that one certainly has been beat like a dead horse. I mean, let that one let that one kind of go. But I feel like this is another one of those situations where they just could have let their thoughts get in the way here, thought long and thought wrong. And uh, they would have missed out on the opportunity to bring in a guy from Kansas city. They would have missed, missed out on bringing a guy in that whose dad got a hundred career sacks in the NFL and is one of the best players ever to play at the university of Nebraska. And he's a tremendous athlete that could play on either side of the football. So yeah, I think it's the first. That's not to say Kansas City isn't important, though, right? I, I've been hearing more no, and is. more out of, of of Kansas City that there there are players down there. Is it good that Nebraska's back in there? Oh, totally. I mean, I know that people were excited about the presence that Nebraska has in California this year, and people are feeling good about still being effective in Florida and what they're doing in Texas, obviously. But you can't give up on KC. In fact, you got to keep knocking on the doors in St. Louis. You gotta keep you gotta keep being effective in that 500 mile radius, regardless of whatever else you got building pipeline wise into the other schools and other parts of the country this year. That's Brian Munson of Husker Online with us every Monday here at 3:30 on the block. Brian, appreciate your insight as always on recruiting, also you know stadiums and everything like that. We'll uh, hope to catch up again with some more recruiting news next week, my man. Sounds good. Later, guys. Once again, Brian Munson bringing the goods good as he stuff. does every week. Good stuff. Hey, but we 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 took it to him today. Uh, we didn't give him just a lot of uh, softballs. <laughs> that was gas. He, he was throwing gas down there. He had to he had to swing, so he did. He hit the ball well. Yeah, that good. he did. We'll wrap up on the block with the old school crew next year on 93.7. The ticket. Not sure who's in. Strick and I will be here. We'll see who wants to join. We'll put a bow on the block next.